0: Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Okay, I'm welcoming singer, songwriter and music blockchain pioneer, Josh Savage. Josh, how are
1: you, mate? Adam, I'm doing good. How are you?
0: Beautiful. Good, thank you. And how's life in Berlin today?
1: It's good. It's, uh, it's not the best with the outside, but that's kind of standard. But, really? uh, it's quite nice. It's really... Are you joking? No way. Well, it's all, it's all good. I, I actually quite enjoy that because in the home studio, I don't get as distracted by the, the nice weather if it's, uh, it's grey and gloomy. So it's actually for the best right now.
0: Exactly. Bad weather equals bad music, right? <laughs>
1: yeah. You know what? I think that's why Scandinavians are so good at music because oh it's God, so yeah. bloody cold. They've got nothing else to do but make great music.
0: Yeah, well, sometimes they get like two hours of light, so they're like, "Let's write a really sad song." Because exactly, (laughs) daylight. How is it? Considering because you've been travelling a lot recently, and you're like touring, American stuff. Is it? Is it nice to be back in Germany?
1: It is, yeah. And um, tell you, I I loved travelling and going to South by Southwest, Nashville, and and Miami for the first time as well. But it's um, I've really Loved uh, tapping into my creative side in over the lockdown and I really mm. missed my my studio where I could just like, like spend days here just creating what I love. So yeah, I did, did miss it too, but it was great to get out and about, especially when we had such bad lockdowns in, in Germany over the last few years.
0: Yeah, I know some people just love hiding in the studio, but I'm guessing you're someone who loves making the music in the first place in a studio, but when I mean, you've toured a lot throughout your life, haven't you? So it must've been tough not having tours for a long time, right?
1: Oh, big time. Um, yeah. My, live income and gigs was the only way I made money. So it was a huge shock to, to the system and I had to really um, rack my brains, how, how I was going to survive and, and that's how I kind of eventually got into the NFT, NFTs, because it just seemed like a great way to digitalize. And, um, I, I think more beneficial to be uh, on, on many occasions, but in, in this, this way, it's a bit more sustainable because I don't have to run around the world like a headless chicken. And here I can create everything from one place. But having said that, I do love running around like a headless chicken and touring the world, but it's uh, it takes a, a much bigger toll on you, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, something people talk a lot about streaming, just not flat out not paying artists. But um, another flip side of that is artists tour like way more heavily than they used to, because that's one of the only income models. Right, but it, it can really become detrimental to physical and mental health. Some of the people I've spoken to. Like when you're just out on tour for like a full year of your life, it obviously quickly stops, <laughs> like the fun side of touring quickly disappears.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have huge back problems actually, actually, because I was always touring on a budget and I couldn't afford Airbnbs or, or hotels. Mm-hmm. I was couch surfing most of the time. So um, it's really not helped my back in, in that regard, but I was just so dedicated to, to make this my my thing um that I, I was just prepared to do anything that's the like a
0: sheer model isn't it just gig furiously and relentlessly and if you miss your train and sleep on a bench whatever but
1: <laughs> yeah that's <laughs> but literally yeah. what i did for three years um however i don't know if that's a a model up-and-coming artists can do anymore when live income's just not as reliable as it used to be
0: yeah, I was just reading an article in The Guardian that was a band called Dry Cleaning in the UK, the Universal were going to take, if they'd sold their own merch in the venue, they would have taken a 25% cut of their merch sales, which is hardly any income anyway, let alone if the label's taking that. So they like sold their merch in a pub, a 10-minute walk from the OT mm. forum, I think it was. And Amazing. I mean, we're going to get into NFTs, obviously, but it just shows how in the traditional music industry and Spotify, etc. is just it's just getting bad. Like and that's an understatement, isn't it? Like when you hear things like that. And the fact you've got a bad back. Which is really I mean, sad that you had to gig that horrifically. Yeah. The point where your back's messed up, that's not
1: good. I mean, I've got I've got no regrets. I for me it was incredible meeting people around the world and meeting fans that support my music. But um but going back to what you're saying is it's not a, about it getting bad it's about it getting worse it's been so mm-hmm. bad for artists for such a long time now and especially for songwriters as well
0: no absolutely or maybe do some yoga man that's always good for the but, i try <laughs> <laughs> but, um, i'm
1: just so rubbish <laughs> yeah
0: but yeah no just to properly introduce you like and i'll probably like i did with your friend violetta serona be called cool to frame this as kind of life before ntvs and a uh, N T V in M T V. But um yeah, uh Yeah, like life before in the traditional music industry and what we're now calling web two, you know, Spotify, YouTube, all that stuff. Um yeah, so starting there, how yeah, I guess like starting from your early life, getting into music originally and how it gradually became like a serious thing for you.
1: Right. How how long do you have? <laughs> <laughs> as long as you have mate. Okay, well in short I I got started in the music world um by taking piano lessons. Um my mm. parents uh my my parents are huge music lovers and they noticed how musical I musical I was as a baby and I think I just developed a good musical ear because they played music all the time and um but actually initially I I hated my my music lessons because it just felt like work. So I just kind of gave up and actually picked it up again because I missed it. And that was a huge turning point for me because I, from the age of nine, I think it was, I did music because I loved it, not because my mum was forcing me to take piano lessons. Mm -hmm. And from there, I was actually raised in Paris initially, um, even though I was born in London. And I spent ha- half my life in Paris. And um, at a French school, I was um, picked to be part of this really good choir in Paris, which gave me a really good classical uh, classical training, uh, mm. especially vocally, which is kind of why I sing how I do, I guess, now, even though I'm a bit more in the um, popular music side of things. Mm-hmm. and to cut the story short and when i moved to england i um i started writing my own songs and went to uni i went to the university of york to study um a music degree there it was either maths or music but i chose music because it was more fun and the music d- degree course at york didn't have exams so uh mm-hmm. no brainer for me and uh so and that was more classically based, but uh, had loads of uh, modules involved in in other genres. And but I, I had a band at university called Taming the Savage, and that okay. didn't really go anywhere because uh, my bandmates just weren't as dedicated as I was, which is why I'm a solo artist now. Even though I love playing in a band, I kind of have option of doing both which is great and after uni I just uh, all I wanted to do was travel and play music so I booked my own tours I I actually had just read the Ed Sheeran autobiography and even though um, even though he's a fantastic songwriter his music doesn't resonate with me that much but I I loved his work ethic so that's what inspired me to just tour the world and just couch surf a lot. That's literally what I did for three years, but I actually only meant to do it for one year um, as a gap year, but it went a lot better than I expected. And 10 years later, I'm somehow still doing it, which is absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah. Was Ed's thing, Ed Sheeran, right? Was it mostly all in just one crazy concentrated year where he um, just did I mean, often it was more than one gig a day, right? He was just gigging like crazy,
1: wasn't he? Yeah, and that's exactly what I did. I just said yes to every single show. Didn't care if it was paid or not. Um, Just did it for the contacts and the networking and the the gigging experience. And now today I've played up to... Bought over seven hundred shows, mostly in people's living rooms. um Actually, what was really beneficial from playing so many shows is I discovered so far Sounds before most people, and I really went mm-hmm. to town on it. And what you'll discover is once you enter the Sofar Sounds bubble, you can basically play anywhere around the world. Um, yeah. And obviously, that was my my dream. So I I just did that all around America, Latin America. Did some shows in Russia too and, and the Middle East and, and, uh, built a really loyal fan base. It's, it's actually incredible how, um, even though I was playing to small audiences, the turnarounds with people buying merch was a lot higher than big support slots that I was playing mm-hmm. to thousands of people, which was actually quite incredible. And, um, I'm sure that's something we'll, we'll delve into, but, that's what i love about twitter spaces in the nft space and having direct conversations with with people it's a lot more powerful because it's just so much more human than say tiktok which is like statistics and all about going viral and doesn't have the same humanity to it
0: no i mean i'm not surprised what you've just said about merch doing better so far sounds than some massive venue cuz it's a weird vibe when you support a big artist isn't it like Half the audience are at the bar, loads of people haven't even turned up.
1: Yeah. And the people that are watching. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. A lot like people who go to big shows aren't necessarily there for the music. They're there to socialize and have a great time with their friends. Oh my um, God, yeah. which is which is fine. But obviously when there's a musician trying to perform to their crowd and the crowd want to hear the music, it's just a lot more well, it's, it's just not the right place for that, and I think that's why so far sounds became so big because it was an easily accessible way of of connecting the artist to to the audience, and everyone kind of won in that in that dynamic.
0: Yeah, it's funny you say that. I went to Brixton Academy the other night to see Aurora. One of these, well, we mentioned Pop. I love Aurora. Uh, yeah, yeah, she was really great, but me and my friend got some food before and it took a lot longer than we thought to come out so we got to the venue at like nine so we're like quite stuck towards the back and honestly like so many people around the back were just drunk and chatting and I spent quite a big chunk of the concert trying to find a spot in the venue where I could hear Aurora singing and not people having really annoying conversations and yeah it's like what you say of these venues sometimes and you mentioned TikTok as well I think she had the big TikTok viral bit of fame recently and
1: yeah i I think some people just
0: for the song on tiktok and yeah it's just again the music industry has become so hilariously strange recently that's one of the things and i think it always has been to be fair (laughs) um but yeah i guess yeah so far sounds like i guess people were much more connecting with you and you would be talking in between songs and people would actually be listening to you and connecting with exactly You're the record holder, did I read? Are you still the Sounds record holder? I think I'm the
1: record holder for the most different cities. But I I know some people have played the the big ones, like London ones, where they have five shows a day. I think people have played that more than me. But I think I hold the record for playing the most different cities, that's for sure.
0: That's incredible. So, yeah, that really... I mean, we almost... I don't, know, don't want to say exclusively, but were you doing a huge amount of So Far shows at one point in your career in traveling? Yeah, like
1: I mean, a lot of people complain about So Far Sounds um, with their financial model, but the way I saw it is uh, So Far Sounds is great if you're an up and coming artist. If you have your own fan base, it's definitely not worth doing So Far Sounds shows. But if um, what's great about So Far Sounds is you don't have to worry about promotion so if i'd do that all for you and you're playing to an attentive crowd and you get uh, a small fee for playing four songs which is like huge value for, for time compared to all these other shows you play especially in london where they barely give you a free pint for playing a show so mm-hmm. um the way i kind of did it is that i would book my own shows and whenever i i had free dates i'd fit in so far sound shows to basically be like a small teaser of what i'm capable of in my full set at my own headline show and that was that was really powerful way of doing it
0: Mm. did you do like a living room tour at one point yeah
1: yeah Yeah. exactly so that was based on so far sound shows and just fans homes And uh, there's actually a documentary on YouTube of me doing that around Europe and America. Yeah, amazing.
0: I mean, obviously we're going to get onto NFTs, but yeah, I mean, because it's one of the, I was saying this to Via Lettory now, actually, as well, like it just seems like your career on the face of it seemed wonderful and fantastic without NFTs. Um, I mean, what were the highlights of your career pre-blockchain technology, but also what made you um, need to, make that big shift into this new technology, what was missing and yeah, if you see what I'm guessing at.
1: So first question was highlights yeah. up to blockchain stuff. Mm-hmm. Um the highlights were definitely selling out my headline shows in London and Berlin. And my hometown, Winchester. In in Winchester, actually, I played at the Winchester Guildhall, which is mm-hmm. my biggest headline show, and that was really special. Um, other highlights was touring around Germany with Code Line. Mm-hmm. That was wicked. And um, I think my all-time favorite highlight was um, Gary Lightbody from Snow Patrol. Discovered me on Spotify, mm-hmm. for a song I, um, I was like kind of embarrassed about. So I was really <laughs> amazing. He was that one really struck home with him, and and for me that was incredible because Snow Patrol were one of the bands that inspired me to write my own songs and to have one of your idols turn around and say, "Hey, love your stuff," and have someone be so supportive was. Um was amazing for me, mm-hmm. especially actually at the time I was I wasn't in a good place. So I just moved to Berlin and was kind of reconsidering my life choices and that kind of gave me a a second wind which which I really needed needed at the oh, time. Really? Yeah,
0: I'm almost yeah. forgetting to ask. Um yeah, about the move to Berlin. How long have you been there? Why did you leave the UK? Um yeah, I'd love to hear about that as well before we get into the meat of the uh, blockchain.
1: Yeah, so I've been here four years now um, and the plan initially was just to be here for three months but I think if mm-hmm. you speak to most Berliners now you'll find that no one really expected to, to stay here full time but it just mm-hmm. has this energy and this vibe that is really um, attractive and uh, especially for someone like myself, I I consider myself as a citizen of the world, and even though I'm I'm proudly British, I, I'm also proud to be European. And especially mm. after touring the world so much and meeting so many incredible people around the world, I really like living in international cities. Mm. So I did like that about London. Um, however, when I lived in London, I, in order to make ends meet, I was working two to three part-time jobs. I was living in a warehouse with fourteen people. And Tottenham, which um, wasn't the best place to live at the time, especially mm-hmm. when people are getting stabbed on your street. But um, I just did what whatever I could to to keep the dream alive. And, and then I went on tour with a videographer called Damien, who's now a really great friend of mine. I took him around Latin America to document my living room tour out there. And he was living in, in Berlin at the time. And he just kind of said, you should try to yeah you should try berlin and he wasn't the first person to have suggested that and Mm. at that time i just needed a break from living in in london uh where i was just burning out a bit and and uh and my spotify stats actually directed me to germany as well because somehow germany was my top country for spotify listeners so i just yeah i always think it's good to explore and try things and so i just tried living in berlin for writing retreat and it went a lot better than i expected my show sold out there and i was able to live full time for my music instead of doing so many jobs in london just to to survive and i was just so much more creative in berlin as well so it just made sense to move here and, um, especially after Brexit as well with, um, I don't want to get political, but for me, it made sense to live in Berlin before Brexit so that I could be a resident and I could work here, uh, mm-hmm. and work in the UK without any hassle. Yeah, that's a huge one. I mean, it's literally like the cost of living
0: of 50% cheaper than London. I think, which is pretty huge, especially if you're an artist. It's um,
1: and honestly, I I don't know if I would have had the headspace to learn about the Web3 world if I didn't live in Berlin. Because if I was living in London, mm. I'd th- there would be so many more distractions. And um, obviously, I'd, I'd have to do a lot of part-time work to to pay rent. So... Mm-hmm. Um, it just made more sense to be in Berlin, especially when, Adam, so for example, in you know, my warehouse full of people, mm-hmm. in comparison, I live yeah. in the one of the nicest neighbourhoods in Berlin, um, have my own apartment for the same price.
0: Mm. Oh, which neighbourhood are you in? Obviously, don't give out your personal address on a podcast, but yeah, whereabouts? <laughs>
1: uh, so I, well, at the time I was in Neukölln, uh, and yeah, I've yeah, moved yeah. into uh Berg Oh, that's where I stayed last time. It's beautiful in there. Yeah, it's it's really cool. And what I love about Prenzlauerberg as well is um it's is very international in, in the street where mm-hmm. I, I hear a lot of uh British people in the street, I hear a lot of Parisians, uh well French people rather, mm-hmm. and um and obviously German and so many nationalities which which I adore. And you mentioned
0: maybe your creativity going up like i just whenever i'm there i just feel like every flat every cafe everything every street you just feel like this buzz of creativity like emanating out of the city and it's it's mad i don't i've never experienced that anywhere else
1: so yeah it's a good place yeah, to be right love it the only issue of berlin is winters are bitter and <laughs> yeah. the people are bitter to boot as well but i actually quite like that because that allows me to hibernate and especially if I can um, have my home studio, then I can just use that to to learn and develop my skills and, and write. Mm. People are bitter all around or just more so during the winter? Do you mean? More so in, in winter. Yeah. For some reason, Berlin winters are particularly bitter compared to anywhere else I've been. Um, I don't know why. My theory is, is that Berlin as a city is all about vibe. Because mm. it doesn't have the prettiest buildings when you compare it to New New York and London, um, and uh, whereas the summers are incredible, like people yeah. are just on a whole new level, and it's really great place to be in mm. summers.
0: No, amazing. Um, but yeah, so were you saying around that time of the move you were? sort of questioning music and, um, yeah, what what in particular were you questioning? And I guess that leads us nicely into blockchain, this new model that actually compensates you fairly for all the effort, the ridiculous amount of effort you've put in that you've mentioned already. Um, I mean, I don't know what the timeline is between you moving to Germany and then um, discovering all this stuff, but yeah, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Well, um when the lockdown when the lockdown started um we we had quite a few here i think we had longer ones than even the uk although it sounds like they weren't as strict so you could still leave the house and go for walks but um it was for me it, it really it was it was really miserable for me because i had built so much momentum and then I released my debut album, March, 2020. It's called the long way round. And it was so frustrating to have that at an abrupt halt. And, um, yeah, I, it was just, I, th- I mean, I think we were all just so lost and, mm-hmm. and, uh, um, yeah i just didn't really know what to do i couldn't really push the album in my traditional way of how i used to push my old releases which was basically touring the world so that was a big struggle and but i just kept writing and and i'm actually really grateful i did now and uh because of this nft stuff now too but um, actually, mm-hmm. it's it really cool because my sister is also a musician and we gave each other a challenge. Well, we ha- we didn't have much else to do anyway. So we gave each other a challenge of writing a song a week and mm-hmm. where we wouldn't care so much about the quality, we just make sure we got it done. And we would upload it to a private SoundCloud account and we, we would keep each other accountable. And most of the songs are rubbish, but it um, gave... Um, but there were definitely some gems out of that, and we did that for about mm. 40 weeks, I think it was.
0: Have you ever been signed to a label?
1: No. So you've always been independent? Wow. Yeah, I've, I've never really thought it beneficial for me. Um, it's been, yeah, the, the deals you can get are just not really that good especially when you haven't built you build your own le- leverage yet. So mm-hmm. I'm, it's not that I'm against l- labels, but I just feel like I want to build as much leverage first as possible. And um, it's kind of crazy because obviously in the, in the lockdowns, I did speak to music industry, but no one was interested because it was just so uncertain. And now... Um, there's this NFT stuff happening. I think it's actually more beneficial not to have a label or a publisher because, um, because it's so early. There's no legislation for that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and if you don't, if you're not tied to anyone yet, you can literally get started now, which is what I've been doing, and that's why I've been doing really well in the space. And yeah, the reason I was going into the writing section. Well, the, the writing part of the lockdown was because I'm so grateful for having all this, all this, all these songs now that I can now release as NFTs. Whereas at the time, I, yeah, I didn't really know what was going to happen with these songs.
0: Yeah, was it the start of this year? Sorry, you discovered the whole. Yes.
1: Thing. So I actually um, late uh, late last year I got uh, into the crypto side of things. Um, I mm-hmm. I got into crypto because I was hearing so much about NFTs from Gary V, yeah. And but I didn't know how to get into NFTs, and so I somehow got sidetracked by my girlfriend. You you got me into the Dogecoin trend. Uh, sadly, I joined too late. I joined right at the top mm-hmm. and got scared and sold at the bottom. So made all the mistakes you, yeah. <laughs> you make from that kind of stuff. But learned some really valuable lessons now I mean, that didn't I'm i know no i didn't i i was too emotional and didn't understand that side of the world at all and but i'm really even though I, i lost money from that i feel like it was a really valuable lesson especially now i'm a lot more involved in in uh the nft side of stuff which is basically crypto too
0: yeah i mean the golden rule i've learned from a sort of expert in crypto is you uh you have to sort of zoom out on the graph of the dips and going up and as long as the overall trend from when the coin was first created as long as it's always been going up overall then that's a sign that's a currency you want to hang on to obviously like ethereum and Bitcoin. yeah yeah famous
1: well from from those um uh from that experience i actually vowed never to jump into anything blindly again so i actually Mm. took uh trading classes because i was so so demoralized from music that I kind of needed to step away from that for a bit anyway, and because I'm quite mathematical and I used to love maths so I actually really enjoyed it and um so I dabbled in a bit of trading, but didn't really make any money from it and um i I did here and there, but I for me it just wasn't how I wanted to live my life staring at a screen all day with all the stress and i I just didn't like how isolated it was and then when i discovered about twitter spaces and this amazing community of people i just knew that was more my thing because most importantly i can incorporate my music into it which is my first priority but also just the the connecting with other people and other talent and incredible, incredible people around the world. I, I just knew that was that was more my thing. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure people
0: will be listening. Like, what is an NFT, or they've heard of it, but they don't know what on earth it means. How do you? Obviously, I'm not expecting like a full breakdown of blockchain because <laughs> the way I treat it is like I use electricity, and I don't know the exact science of how electricity works. But what's your like layman's? uh explanation layman's terms even of what an nft is how it works what's the benefit for musicians and why
1: you also. i would say NFT. i would say an nft is a digital collectible mm-hmm. and a way of authorizing work so the reason people buy my nfts is because i could be the next ed sheeran and if you buy my nft early on in my career not only are you investing in my career so i can use those funds to grow faster Mm. but the value of my fans nft will grow as my career grows as well
0: how would you describe the opportunity for musicians here as opposed to versus the traditional music industry we're so used to like putting a song on spotify and Never seeing any money from it.
1: Yeah. Well, first up, I, I don't think this is going to make Spotify go away. I think they're going to be great tools that you, you use alongside each other. Mm. Um, I think NFTs bring a new age in favor of creators, which I think is um, much, well, is, is definitely needed. And gives a lot more power to creators and reduces the need of middlemen who take the majority of cuts these days. So um, so there's that. And so instead of me signing a record deal, a major deal to someone and giving 80% of my income away, mm. fans can invest in me and grow alongside me. And I've only been in, in the NFT space since uh, late January. So I've only been in it for just three months now. But I think it's obviously the financial aspect is important. But I think more than anything, the the bond between me and my collectors is incredibly powerful because mm. for the first time in my uh, decade of, of doing this music thing my fans are actively pushing for my music to to grow and I've never mm-hmm. seen that before and And I, th- I think a, a good comparison as well is comparing um, NFTs to Patreon on steroids mm-hmm. yeah because Again, you Patreon. can build the community with that, and give yeah. exclusives and and experiences that no one else can have unless they are a holder of one of your NFT collections.
0: Yeah, I mean, Patrons obviously a lovely thing, and I've seen I've literally seen musicians saved by launching a Patreon during the lockdowns. But again, I it
1: think sa- it saved me during the lockdown. for oh, sure. really, yeah, I cool. wouldn't have been able to invest in my home studio she- if I hadn't had my patrons backing me the whole time. But on the flip
0: side, like patron's great if you have a following, whereas with Web3 with NFTs, I'm seeing musicians without any tangibly huge following actually starting to get fair compensation for their art and their music. I don't know if you've had that same.
1: Yeah, no but, for yeah. sure. Um even though I've had Patreon for years, I'm getting a lot more out of the NFT side of things already in just a few a few months absolutely
0: i mean yeah you mentioned middlemen there reminds me a really cool thing and a good analogy for blockchain is like with say a record label you've got a team of people doing the nerdy things like contracts and taxes and speaking to venues like literally and if it's like universal for example there's all these people hundreds of people working for these labels but um blockchain gives you the power to sell your music at a very fair price um and you don't need this huge team behind you, right? And so, yeah, I'm, I've been speaking to quite a few musicians who, prior to discovering this, were just sort of weird, with this huge weariness, like, oh, maybe I'll try and get signed to a label. And then suddenly, yeah, a lot of musicians are suddenly feeling really empowered to be independent.
1: Again, I guess you're yeah, great no, evidence for sure. of that because you're 100% independent, aren't you? And-, and hiring people as you go. I think having a team is still incredibly important but the ball's much more in your favor. And what I'm really excited about with the NFT space right now is no one's telling you what kind of music you should make and people are a lot more into taking risks. And record labels, for example, are not taking any risks anymore. They expect the artists to have created their fan base already before mm-hmm. they invest in them. And it's at that stage that actually the artist. Doesn't really need them, really. Of course, it it helps to have a bigger team and to have a label who's well versed in the machine of making songs viral and and all that. But in this case, it's very much in the artist's favour, where they can literally make the music they love and and uh, and still be rewarded for it.
0: Yeah, I think you touched on something important there, because I think the most famous NFT projects and the ones that naturally get a lot of hate are the sort of bored ape ones, the sort of really, the crypto punks, I guess they're really pixelated digital style. So maybe, I wonder if some musicians or just artists in general are like, well, that's not me at all. I just want to do my songs or my paintings, for example, totally different to the ones I mentioned. But I guess you're a great example of a sort of classic. Not classical as in classical music, but the sort of classic mold of a singer, songwriter, guy in his guitar, like really lovely, subtle music, not huge pop productions. Right. And you're still um, generating sales doing that in NFT, right? So it's it's very genre fluid, isn't it? The NFT space doesn't have to be like digital sounding (laughs) (laughs) music, if you know what I mean. It can be any. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: There's every genre feasible I've come across already. Yeah, Exactly and actually the in the music nft space is is tiny right now yet it's Mm. still dominated by hip-hop artists right now so actually me being an indie singer-songwriter in the space right now is actually very very unique and i'm gonna be doing this really big collection next month and i think i'm gonna be I I think I'll be the first indie singer songwriter in this genre who's who's doing it on this scale. Obviously Violette has done hers, but I would say she's in a slightly different genre than I am.
0: Yeah, yeah, totally. Um no congrats, congrats and um yeah and also (laughs) NFTs get a lot of hate right how how do you feel about
1: that? I think I think everything does in its early phase. Mm-hmm. Look at TikTok. That got so much hate mm-hmm. uh, where people are just laughing at it and say, oh, it's just for kids. Now, every single business has TikTok. If not, they're mm-hmm. not really going anywhere in the digital space in, anymore, in Web2 at least. And if you compare in the music world, for example, my mate, incredible musician, he just got dropped by his label because they um feel like it's less risky to um, invest in an artist who's, who's now big on TikTok instead. So mm. it's crazy. And I, I think it's going to be exactly the same thing here. People may laugh at it because they don't fully understand it. But if you look at the nitty gritty details and learn a bit more about the technology that we're talking about here, its I honestly think it's going to revolutionize music not just in the NFT stuff, but in so many ways with the blockchain technology. Because if you look at, for example, royalty checks and everything, right now we need to rely on a collection society to collect it from everything, right? Mm. Whether it's played on a film, on radio or whatever. If you have your song on the blockchain, every time it's played on radio, on the film or whatever, you don't need a third party to collect the royalties for that. It's already tracked and can be automated straight to the cr- creator. Yeah. We don't have anything like that right now.
0: And that it's royalty collectors, they only pay out quarterly, right? So if there's a point exactly. where you really need some cash right. for that advert exactly, or whatever yeah, yeah. you're in, then you're gonna have to wait till November or whatever it is, which can be really
1: oh, something. Exactly. For streams, I have to wait three to four months for a royalty check. And if my song is placed in a film or on TV, I have to wait a year. And yeah. when I sold my NFT, I just couldn't believe how uh, it, well, first of all, I couldn't believe it sold out in an hour, but the, ne- the next thing I was shocked about is how I had it straight away.
0: Yeah, no, that's wonderful. Um, I, mean, I honestly feel like you're one of the leading voices as a musician in this space. you think that's accurate. Or am I just buttering up? too much i don't know if that's just through your very active as you've mentioned you touched on twitter spaces you host loads of those and it's obviously a lovely community vibe thing as well where people get to it can be like an open mic sometimes right and you're always happy to chat to people about how they should go about doing this themselves and stuff yeah
1: yeah i think especially for the music nft space right now because it's so small and i feel like the more people you support and on board in the process the more people come with them and then the more and I I think we're helping each other out by having more musicians in the space because of of course their fans end up joining them too who then can potentially become your fans as well and right now it's still a very small fraction of the the world population are involved in Web3 and yeah it's kind of I'm really excited of the potential here and h- how much growth is, is still to come from it all it's funny as well a lot of people are talking about this is the year for music NFTs I'm obviously very bullish on music NFTs but from a third party perspective I am wondering why Um, people who aren't as, as understanding the music industry why they're bullish on it as well I think that can only be a good
0: thing. No, absolutely. Um, and can you just talk through yeah, how it's been, how many releases you've done? I know you just put out your, um, that music video as a duck auction, which went really well, right? And, um, and how you're... Because I guess there's a danger of this where you could literally just do web-free and NFTs and make an income doing that, but then you just end up indoors all day and on Twitter. And, and I think I saw you wrote on Twitter you were really pleased to get out to America and you know experience real life as well, right? So, do you think it's important for like physical and mental health as well to balance these things as well?
1: Yeah, of course. I think if you don't balance it out, you're actually not doing your job properly when you are on the spaces. Mm-hmm. If if I'm feeling really, if I, if, if yeah, if I don't feel like I'm in a good place, I don't feel like I'm interacting with people well on on these spaces so and ends up shooting myself in the in the foot in the long run. So yeah, I do try to make sure I, I go for walks and, and meditate, but it's incredibly hard to, to keep up with it, especially with how how many spaces are happening all the time and all these incredible people you can meet just from, from a few clicks on your phone.
0: I wonder why what I wonder why Twitter has become so so the epicenter of the whole, at least from my experience, it feels like the absolute epicenter of everything. And I no, mean, Twitter was really dead to me a few months ago, and suddenly I've been sucked back into it. Uh, yeah, because of all this, yeah. I guess the spaces is a huge thing. I guess because it's text based, you're like really interacting with other musicians in that way. Whereas I, I really feel on Instagram, a lot of the interactions between musicians is so surface just like leaving flame emojis under their tracks and things, but you don't really ever actually <laughs> connect with artists. Right. True. But Twitter it's, it's just crazy, isn't it? How you essentially I wanna say you have to be on Twitter really to be involved in this. It feels like it is
1: if you want to be successful in the NFT space, yeah, for sure. Because um a few reasons why I think Twitter is the go to, um, and that is because in the NFT world there's Uh, As I'm sure you know, there's so many scams out there, so Mm. many rug pulls of sorts. And the reason why you need to be on Twitter and talking actively with people in spaces is to become a trustworthy entity. And Mm. I think, actually, when people invest in my NFTs, so far it's not so much about the song. Obviously, it is a factor, but it's more they're investing in me as an artist, almost like a stock option. Um, And I think the reason artists have an advantage over other projects, like profile picture projects and um, visual artists, uh, two reasons, I think. um, First of all, if you're on a Twitter space where it's like audio-based, if you're performing a song on a Twitter space, Mm-hmm. It doesn't require any commitment from the listener. They're already listening. They don't have to click on a link and go on a few clicks or whatever. And it could also be a dodgy link if if you're if you're a scam. You're already listening to the song, and that puts you ahead of the the curve in compared to other artists. Secondly, as well, if you already have a reputation in the Web two world, then you're it's a lot easier for someone to trust you. Um, and for them to invest in nft on the social media side i completely relate to you because i've had a twitter account since 2010 mm-hmm. and i'm only just using it now and it's my main social media platform now which is kind of I, I wouldn't have believed it if it was just four months ago um but yeah in terms of uh growth my twitter fans have doubled Um, in just a few months, I've got thousands of new followers and I find with Facebook and Instagram, even though it started really well, I think it's kind of capped and you're required to pay for promotion to reach your own fans, which to me as an independent artist, and I like to be as organic as possible. It just makes no sense to do that uh, on the other hand tiktok's great for that because you could have zero followers and one post could go viral instantly what's really difficult about tiktok is making it on brand you could have so many so i've had some viral content on tiktok but it's not necessarily converted to listeners and music mm-hmm. fans whereas on twitter i might have um uh Lower, lower interaction on posts, but um, I think you're converting a lot more of them into music fans than, than say on TikTok.
0: There's another thing I really love about it, though. Like previously, it just felt like music marketing was so empty. Like you know, having a paid advert on Facebook, Instagram, making sure you've got a poster up in Shoreditch, and you know, views, engagement, all that, all those horrible words, content another word I just hate at this point but with Twitter and NFTs it just seems more like you know chatting to people in spaces and just like
1: you're having a good time
0: and communicating and like supporting other artists and then they support you back it just feels I know the word community has come up quite a few times already but it just feels much more like community rather than quote unquote marketing and that's how to succeed right
1: it's, it just feels human which I yeah. think is the most important part and I think that's definitely something we've all lacked over the last few years. We've we've been locked in our own apartments and not seen any humans for a long time. And mm. I think that's, I think the reason Twitter exploded is, um, or becoming really, or, or will explode is, um, that was this huge thing about Clubhouse, right? However, I, I never got into Clubhouse. My girlfriend did. Mm. But for me, I just didn't want to, start a new social media, learn about it. Whereas when Twitter Spaces incorporated the technology that Clubhouse is built on, it didn't take as much commitment from, from me personally because I already had a Twitter account. Yeah. And I could just jump on and go, you know, and I already understood Twitter as a whole and just learning about the Spaces function was, wasn't was as much of a commitment.
0: No, that's amazing. And then, yeah, I guess good time to ask. Good, cool to get like a brief history of you in NFTs. And, and what are we talking like? Three or four months and you're already, you just have this whole income stream, right? From NFT. I mean, it's basically changed your life without over exaggerating. Um, but yeah, what have you honestly so
1: far and how's it been going? Yeah. So I've done, it's been, I'm um, three months in now. I've dropped three NFTs, um, all of them sold out instantly and uh it has changed my life honestly a few months ago i i was about to call it a day for the music because i'm i was just so tired of being broke and mm. working incredibly hard and the and not being rewarded for it and it was i mean i w- was rewarded in in um in in many ways but not financially rewarded and at the end of the day i yeah it just wasn't feasible for me especially now i've i'm in my 30s and, and i don't want to settle down one day just i didn't see how it was possible to to keep it keep it up so i was I was literally about to start a coding course until i discovered nfts and that kind of took over and this it has completely changed my life and it's uh it's just incredible the potential it has and I'm so excited for, for independent artists around the glo- globe with, um, and what they can achieve from it if they, if they will take the time to learn about it and, and get in this space early enough, I think, because I think when it, uh, I will be interested to see how it changes later down the line when everyone in the, in this is is in this space, I think it's going to be. Um, well, when so, there's a lot more competition, you're not going to stand out as much. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, that's so funny. I literally did a coding course a few years ago because I was just like, same as you, like, what am I doing with my life? And um, I actually did the course, but I just <laughs> maybe you would have been fine because you've mentioned that you enjoy maths and that kind of side of life, whereas for me, it was I like trying to learn four or five languages at the same time and I really struggled and and it wasn't a cheap course, it was in like just off Brick Lane where I learned it. And yeah, it didn't go <laughs> I got I did get a MacBook out of it. That's why I have my lovely MacBooks I'm grateful mm-hmm. for for that. But um yeah, maybe you would have fared well, but um I don't know. I'm glad obviously glad you're making music. Um but yeah it's interesting because people learn coding because that's where the world is going and it suddenly well, I feel like we're running out of valuable skills in the world at this point, but that is becoming more and more valuable. But thanks to coding and blockchain, now we have a way of making music, utilising yeah. technology, right? So that's interesting, isn't it?
1: Also, there's a huge lack of developers in the space right now. So if mm-hmm. you are um, savvy in coding, then it's incredibly easy to get hired in the Web three space and and still in the in the Web two space too.
0: Yeah, man. And um, yeah, how's the rest of the year in NFTs and otherwise, I guess, but yeah, particularly, are you planning, a, you're about to drop an album, right? But on Web3 and as an M- F- NFT, is that right? Yeah,
1: in two days, I'm dropping my album, Another Life, which is uh, a collection of songs that I wrote about my pen pal when we were writing love letters to each other from Berlin to New York. Mm. and that's what i recorded in the lockdown last summer and finally releasing it uh in 2 days which is kind of crazy and then uh spinning quite a few plates right now I'm going on tour finally <laughs> the tour that mm-hmm. keeps getting postponed since march 2020 it's my first band tour around germany switzerland and austria and of course working on this big collection um which i'll be Revealing more info about in the next next week or so, um, but I'm actually really excited about uh, being a speaker at NFT NYC um, to talk more about mm. music NFTs because I was at uh, NFT Miami and there was so little talk about music, um, so I decided to to change that for the NYC convention.
0: Yeah, I hope um, like London catches up a bit. I don't, I haven't heard about <laughs> Berlin doing anything. Any events?
1: Well, well it's interesting.
0: Mm. Um,
1: apparently, Berlin and Lisbon are the um, the crypto cities in Europe. Um, having said that, it's still, still early days. Uh, yeah. America is definitely where the NFT place to be is right now. Uh, but it seems like Lisbon and Berlin are catching on. And yeah, I think the English government recently an- announced they're going to start embracing crypto and potentially Mm. NFTs as well. So I think it's only a matter of time.
0: Yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, And then Josh, so about your, I know you've got a home studio there, I'd just love to briefly chat about what gear, is it very much a home studio or is it, I don't know how high tech or not it is, but it's always wherever people are out of their studio, it's always cool to hear what they've got that meets their needs. And um, yeah, maybe starting with uh, like what speakers you have there?
1: I have Yamaha HS7s mm-hmm. and uh, it's coming out from my Apollo interface mm-hmm. and um, I've also got my upright piano here which i got off a of mate for 100 euros oh, nice. and my guitars and uh, also recently um, got my first synth I've got a, a Dave Smith profit which i adore but still haven't fully tapped into that just yet and yeah that's that's a whole other rabbit hole
0: like nfts that's a oh my god (laughs)
1: it's like i feel like i've um i feel like i've just bought my first guitar pedal and i'm about to to, to buy a whole load more Mm -hmm. it's uh yeah um but uh it's actually interestingly enough for me i used to be uh a pro tools guy Mm -hmm. door wise and then Mm -hmm. got into logic and now i'm fully converted to ableton actually even though i'm i'm still working with real instruments more than anything i just Mm -hmm. love the workflow of of ableton and and ableton um sponsored me with a push as well which uh, makes things a lot more manual that i prefer Mm -hmm. compared to clicking on a screen all the time yeah, I really want to try it at
0: some point. How long have you had your Apollo? And yeah, like I say, is that setting all your recording needs?
1: Well, the Apollo Twin for ages and mm-hmm. then uh, recently upgraded to adding the Apollo 8 so I could have more inputs and more DSP power. Mm-hmm. So I could record my upright piano and sing at the same time without it... Um, crashing all the time and just give me a lot more options
0: yeah and and do you produce your own music and you there many plugins that you're a big fan of that help you achieve the sound you want to achieve
1: I do produce I prefer uh, recording with uh, another another producer when when I do my full recordings because I feel it's a a lot more beneficial to bounce ideas off someone else and it's, it makes it more fun as well, which I think is really important. But, uh, tell you what, I'm obsessed with the, the noir piano plugin from contact native instruments. I think it's mm. my favorite piano plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, really love that and love the Spitfire plugins and, and, uh, uh and which, I, which, uh, I, I, uh, I love the, uh, so another one I, I'm well into pianos at the moment the yeah. Oliver Arnold's one nice I've interviewed and, you in such a uh, lot uh, man I love this music it's just kind of takes me back to the classical stuff a bit more as well which which is cool and um, but I'm actually a huge um, fan of the universal audio plugins actually I think they're they're my favourite for sure Cool. So, with
0: Spitfire, is it mainly pianos? Um, and yeah, at the moment, yeah, yeah. Like even their free one, the soft piano that you can just download for free from their labs collection, is like ridiculously good.
1: As well, yeah. I've used that oh. loads of
0: times. Yeah, I mean, you should just download it because literally free—you've got nothing to lose, and it. I've used it on songs I've released. So <laughs> it's nice. it's pretty goddamn probably not as good. I'm, quite as good as the Oliver Arnold's ones you've got. But, um, yeah, why not? Uh, um, thanks, mate. Thanks for talking us through the studio. And yeah, thanks so much for talking to me. Um, I guess finally, like if someone who's completely new to you wanted to know
1: where to start with you,
0: is there like a particular song or project that you'd point them towards at all?
1: I would say listen to my new album, Another Life, and mm. the the track that I'm pushing for that one is... A song called "Don't Mind the Rain." I'm actually working on a TikTok challenge right now where I, I sing it whilst getting absolutely drenched, which is very entertaining. <laughs> um, but uh, but feel free to check out my earlier stuff, which is a bit more folky as well. I think "Golden Days" is is the all time favourite at the moment, and "Skinny Dipping." Mm-hmm.
0: And then with this album, how are you approaching it? You're releasing it as an NFT or an NFT. Collection and then yeah, does that then eventually go up on Spotify, etc., etc.? Or are you just done with that? Or how are you approaching that?
1: Well, I'm doing it on Spotify first, and Ooh. I'm looking to um do something really special for the NFT drop for that. Um, but yeah, I, I quite like how my first album, The Long Way Round, um, is very much physical. Uh, which represents my um, my early stage of my career where I toured around the world and mm-hmm. it was a much more different uh, reality back then. And now I'm entering this new reality. The album's called Another Life and I'm only releasing it as a NFT. Amazing. Well, all the best for it, man. That's in two days. And of three, Spotify, of course. <laughs> yeah, well, this Friday. Wow. And, uh, yeah really excited for that for my tour and and to meet more incredible people in in this exploding nft space
0: amazing well it sounds like it's going to sell out as you have with everything else i can't as a final final thing i can't resist asking what do you think are the key things to actually achieve in that selling out on the on the day of release kind of thing for what for this
1: for big NFT, job
0: is just in general with nFCs, yeah
1: I think the main goal behind every release is to build hype and to think mm. of the bigger picture. Um, don't get too tied up about the money side of it. I mean it's with um, with ethereum, you're generally you're talking more money than you've ever made mm. in your life in music anyway. Um, but I would think more more about the strategy building as much hype as possible because from there you build more excitement about your project, you gain more fans, and you encourage secondary sales, which, um, inevitably earn you money as well. Amazing,
0: absolute goal! Thank you, Josh. Thanks so much for talking to us, and have a lovely evening. I'm guessing you're just on doing the whole twitter thing the the evening or?
1: yeah well I'm, I'm gonna get back to recording um mm-hmm. and yeah I'll, I'll be hanging out on spaces later as well all right sweet thank you mate thanks so much headliner radio
0: supporting the creative community